Hey everybody, this episode of the Press Row Podcast is brought to you by Out of the Park Developments, makers of Out of the Park Baseball 19, which can be had for 75% off right now during the World Series sale. Yes, that's right. Out of the Park Baseball 19 is only $9.99 during the World Series sale now through November 1st. Don't wait. Go ahead and get it today if you haven't already. 75% off for what everybody knows is the best baseball strategy game ever made. Yes, that's a bold statement. But don't listen to me. Just listen to the fans who play this game and have played it for many years. Out of the Park Baseball 19 has everything you could possibly want in a baseball strategy game. And in just a couple of weeks, not only uh, are you going to be able to play Out of the Park Baseball 19, but you'll also be able to play Perfect Team. It is so close to happening. We're in our private beta right now. The public beta is coming in just a matter of weeks. And you can put yourself in great position to take part in the, a, a completely all-new online mode that is all about competition and strategy. It's not about your stick skills. It's about your baseball strategy smarts. It's called Perfect Team, and you can assemble a team, and you can compete against all of the out-of-the-park baseball players around the world. But the best way to do that is to get it today during our World Series sale, 75% off. And, of course, there's also Franchise Hockey Manager 5 all-new for the 2018-19 NHL season, your favorite team, the New Jersey Devils, are poised to win the Stanley Cup. Can you make it happen with them, too? Or maybe one of the other NHL teams. Out of the Park Baseball 19, on sale, 75% off. Franchise Hockey Manager 5, brand new. Get it today. Get them both on Steam or right from otpdevelopments.com. Or you can always check out Out of the Park Baseball 19 on EA Origin, on Origin Access as part of subscription. And, of course... If you are a Discord Nitro subscriber, you can check out Out of the Park Baseball 18, which has just been made available on that service. So many great ways to play Out of the Park Baseball. you got no excuse anymore. If you haven't, go check it out. And thank you for listening to the Press World Podcast. As always, enjoy the show. everybody thank you as always for listening to the press room podcast i'm rich grisham i really appreciate your time very much this week we've got a fun two-part episode up first we've got our great friend greg seward doing a deep dive on forza horizon 4 which is a, a whole lot of fun and uh, after that we've got two of our good friends jeff riddles and adam burnett visiting us from franchise hockey manager 5 telling us all about that. So it's a lot of fun episode uh, here in the heart of video gaming season. So much great stuff happening. And uh, once again, thank you very much for listening and enjoy the show. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Press Row Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm your host this week, Rich Grisham. Brian Weedai suspended. Again, I don't want to go into it. I just will we'll leave it at that and we'll move forward. And there's no better way to move forward. By the way, Brian's not suspended. I'm just having fun for Greg, who's like, what are you talking about? We have yeah. uh, the official racing correspondent of the Press Row Podcast back once again for the third segment in our ongoing racing series this fall. Uh, Mr. Seward, best known from the best show on the Internet, the Player One Podcast, and also the host and curator of Generation 16. Mr. Greg Seward, how are you? Welcome back, sir. Um, not bad, thanks. I... Uh was that uh, we we have a, a an event here called uh, Game Dev Atlantic happening this weekend, and uh, I was chatting with a couple of my old uh, friends from from HP Studios, and they were both like, "Ah, I heard you in Operation Sports recently." Nice, that's pretty cool. That is really cool. They know you. They know of you. 
So those are the guys from the golf club. Uh, most recently, the golf club three with the PGA license, right? Yes. Excellent. Well, how are they? They how are those? Guys? Uh, they seemed fine. I mean, I only got to hang out with them. I was on a panel with uh, with one of them today, so it's pretty cool. But I, I only got to hang out with them for a short time. We didn't get to talk about that too much. But uh, they just they were remarking that uh, they had heard me on your show, which doesn't happen a whole lot locally. So it's kind of cool. Well, shout out to them and a great job continuing the PGA uh, or great job continuing the golf club now with the PGA license now published under the 2K banner. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the the sports game world gets bigger and yet it gets smaller all at the same time. (laughs) So, Mr. Seward, we are here tonight to talk about potentially the racing game of the year. Certainly a racing game that has has been highly anticipated. uh, And that is Forza Horizon 4. So, I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but it's been a while. So, before we get into your thoughts on Forza Horizon 4 specifically, tell me and everyone a little bit about your relationship with the Forza franchise, because you have been there from the beginning, I believe, both with Forza Proper and Forza Horizon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been playing these since uh, since the start. Um, gosh, the Forza series has been going for a long time. But I, I remember playing the old... Uh, I think the first one was on the original Xbox. Um, yeah, I remember playing that and um, been been sticking with this series for a long time. I, I've always enjoyed the Forza series in general. I'm a big Gran Turismo fan, um, but I've enjoyed the Forza series uh, for how it's different from Gran Turismo. Um, you still have sort of the the car porn going on uh, in every game, but um, the Forza series has always been much more arcadey to me. Which is fine, and and it's also been um, it's also innovated a lot. Uh, I feel like uh, Gran Turismo has always been way more refined, but um, the Forza series has always been innovating things like like the the standing water. I always go back to that standing water, changing weather, that sort of fun stuff in the racing games. And when the Horizon series was uh, first uh, released, again, I was blown away by that because. I love that the two series sort of feed each other on a technical level, um, but I also love that basically Playground went and created the open-world racing game I wanted to play because companies like Electronic Arts and Criterion have been trying to do it for years at that point with Burnout and with Need for Speed, and I I, I, I wasn't into them. I never got into them, um, and I realized that a lot of that had to do with... Um, how much those games penalize you for doing the wrong thing. Uh, collisions with other, other cars. Now, Burnout, of course, the whole point was collision with other cars. But with the Need for Speed series and the endless, endless police chases that you would get in uh, the Need for Speed games. Again, something that they built the series reputation on, but something that is so archaic, I find anyway. So when I was able to jump into this nice big open world, uh, with a bunch of uh, licensed vehicles, and just have fun, go to races. You know, if I screw up and hit something, whatever, a little bit of visual damage on the car, that's okay. We keep going. It's okay that I'm speeding. Um, no, no cop chases. So, I've been in love with the series ever since the the first one. I would say. So here's here is where I stand on Forza 
versus Gran Turismo. You're pretty old, Rich. You should sit down. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a fair statement. Uh, in Forza, Greg Seward, I'm good. I'm I'm mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And in Gran Turismo, I'm bad. Very very bad. <laughs> that is yeah. where it is with me now. Like I, yep. it's. I'm not putting Forza on easy settings. In fact, I have everything on a little bit more difficult than normal. Mm-hmm. And I'm still good. And Greg, I'm not good at video games. And as you so clearly noted just momentarily ago, I'm also quite old. So why am I good at Forza? And why am I so bad? And I, when I say bad, I mean really bad, embarrassingly bad at Gran Turismo. Uh, I mean, I can't speak for you. But um, no, that the Forza series has always been, in my opinion, it's always been um, far more beginner friendly, uh, even down to the idea of being able to rewind all the time. But even outside of that, it's just, you know, you can throw you can throw those cars into a turn and come out the other end, even if you, you know, might have overcooked it a little bit. Um, again, that's the difference between. Gran Turismo's adherence to as close as they can to realism. And to me, Forza wanting to make sure that you're still having a good time, even if you make a mistake, you know, now. And again, I say that as a diehard Gran Turismo fan, I've been around, I've been around that series since the beginning too, back in the nineties and uh, adore that series always have. But um, again, it it Forza brings something different. And I, I, I like that. So Forza Horizon 4 came out, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, like as that, we yeah. record this. It's been out for a little bit. I'm playing it through the Xbox Games Pass on my Xbox One X. Greg, how are you playing it? Same way. I okay. am broke, and uh, being able to grab a, a Game Pass subscription for like 12 bucks a month and play Horizon, yeah, I'm down. I'm down with that. All right. Well, let's start right at the top. You know what? What's your what are your high level thoughts about Forza Horizon Four? <clears throat> um, gameplay wise, again, absolutely adore it. Uh, it does everything that um, the previous games have done. So I, I'm down with that. I, I love the uh, the various weather. Um, I love the dirt racing. I love the street racing. Um, I think that the the uh, UK setting, like, is it UK? I guess England, UK, whatever. Um, I think it works. I know that there was a, there was a lot of, uh, talk or, or a lot of rumors about, uh, this game being based maybe in Japan this time around, uh, which also would have been great. Cause that's, you know, amazing, um, terrain there, amazing visuals you could have had there. But I think this really works because you've got the lovely sort of more modern, um, settings, but then you can get out into the countryside and you have a lot of hills and you have a lot of lakes and rivers and uh, a lot of old buildings and a lot of sort of tight um, roads, tight, tight uh, roadways and, and, you know, the old old stone walls next to them and everything. So it's a nice mixture. You, you really get a, a real um, a real variety of, of uh, terrain in this game, which was something that uh, three was so great for as well with the Australian setting. Uh, where you can get into the mountains, into the outback, and into the cities, and the modern cities, and things like that. So, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good mixture. I think the uh, season thing is fantastic. It's a great uh, example of what I was saying before, where I, I feel like the Horizon and the Forza proper series not only build on what each has done sort of separately, but they they trade 
off on technical achievement and it feels like the seasons setting in uh, Horizon Forest is really the culmination of what they've been doing. Even in the Horizon series, way back with, I think, two, one or two, they released the Storm Island pack where it was just all off-road racing uh, in the rain and the mud and everything like that. And then with three, you had the uh, Blizzard Mountain, I think it was called, where it was all uh, winter, snow racing. So those have all been incorporated into the game proper this time, and I love it. It's a, it's a It's an interesting idea. I think it works really well uh, when you get into the game proper, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Um, it literally, your seasons change every week. It's, it's, it's run on a real time clock where, you know, like uh, as we record this, this week it's summer. Five days from now, playing the game again, you'll be in the fall setting and then the following week, winter and so on and so on. Um, it adds an interesting dynamic that uh, I wasn't sure how they were going to handle when they first announced the seasons thing, but... Now that I've played it, I really, I really like what they're doing. So how do you, how do you attack the game? Like, what do you do? Because one of the interesting things about Forza Horizon Four is that, as you said, there's lots of different stuff to do. You got street racing, you've got uh, dirt racing, you've got uh, the stunt challenges, you've got uh, speed traps, you've got signs to knock over, mm-hmm. you've got uh, the the big time events that you're going for. You've got houses that you can purchase for fast travel and perhaps other things. You've got cars that you can buy and acquire. Like, how do you approach this game? And 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 how have what what has been sort of the where you've gone the deepest and what's maybe something you haven't done a whole lot of. <clears throat> um, actually, that's interesting because after praising it as much as I just did. Um, I'm not crazy about the, uh, the new features this year otherwise, um, and the new progression. So you, you mentioned a little bit about the houses. So to go back a little bit to previous, and I'll use Forza Horizon 3 as an example of this, because I thought that the progression in 3 was fantastic. So the way these games have worked in the past, you start sort of with the main hub, which is the, the Horizon Festival, right? Um, which was always so great because you get in there and there's people dancing around and there's uh, spotlights and everything and there's live, well, quote-unquote live music playing. Um, and then sort of events would, on the, on the map, <clears throat> excuse me, events would sort of radiate out from that. And you would build up to the point that you could open a new Horizon Festival hub somewhere else in the map. And that sort of drove you to other parts of the world. Um, so like with, uh, and I probably get this regression wrong, but with um, Australia, you started sort of in this, this green hilly area and then a hub, the next hub would open up in um, near a major city. So then you're into a lot of city racing and you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of 90 degree turns and a lot of buildings, not a lot, a lot of room to move, that sort of thing. And then the next hub would open and it's out in the outback. And I mean, they used to build on this. Like when you got to that hub, it would say like, now you're in the outback and now it's going to be a lot of sort of really wide open spaces and a lot of dirt racing and different colors, different textures that you have to deal with. Um, With four, because they've decided to go the route of buying property rather than opening new uh, horizon hubs, it shot the progression all to hell, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so the way this game works is when you first start it, and you don't even realize, at least I didn't even realize this is what was happening when I was playing it. <clears throat> when you first started, I think you're 
in the summer, I believe. And um, it kind of starts that way where it's like, this is the Horizon Hub. Here are some races to go do. When you sit and hit a certain threshold of uh, influence, I think it is, you open the first showcase event, which is, I think, what you were referencing. So, like, you go and it's one of those ones where you, like, you race a train or you race a hovercraft or you race a bunch of dirt bikes through different courses and that sort of thing. And it's supposed to be the big, like, um, spectacle of the event. So you go and you do that showcase and then you do you work up a little bit more uh, notoriety and then you can switch to the next season. And so you you go through the seasons like that at first and then you realize after like three or four hours you were actually playing a prologue and the game just opens up uh it says like okay you've qualified for uh the horizon team or something like that and the map's open and that's when you get into the whole situation where all the online features really start to take over and um the uh the weekly season changes start to take over but my my issue and I have a few of them, but my main issue is that because you're not opening new hubs and you're you're kind of just free to do your own thing, the progression is all over the place. You, you're literally all over the map. You're 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 unlocking events everywhere at all times, and it's it's overwhelming. Um, and it's not the way I've become used to playing these games. It's not the way I really like to play these games. <clears throat> so, uh, and and it, it sounds super negative. I mean, the, the gameplay is still fantastic, but um, it's just like I look at my map and I'm just like, oh, my God, what do I even do next? Uh, I, I really don't know what I want to do at this point. And I'm searching for these houses because, of course, you, it unlocks more spins and more cash and all that sort of thing. Um, and the other thing that kills me is because of the way they've set this up, they you're done the showcase events almost immediately once you've actually unlocked the proper game. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I think I, I think once you've done that, there are two more showcase events and then you're done. I, when I got, when I first got the achievement for, for completing all showcases, I was like, what? I, I don't feel like I've progressed far enough in this game to have done that by now. Um, and then uh, the other thing is that, uh, the game's always online and I think, the way they've handled the always online aspect as far as other racers in your world is concerned makes a lot of sense because um, everyone's ghosted in, in the overworld. So it's, it's not uncommon to be driving around and see a ghost car flash by <clears throat> doing their own thing. It's just another player doing their own thing in the world. Um, and that's fine. That doesn't bother me too much. But um, the whole structure is set up like a free-to-play game where... You're absolutely um, overwhelmed by updates in different currencies and, and wheel spins and uh, people joining your convoy when I didn't even know I had a convoy. <laughs> like, and so you're getting constant updates about that. And, and then, oh, the next Forzathon's about to start. So the banner pops up at the top of the screen to tell you this. And, hey, you've got a new spin. Press the X button. Oh, and you've got these points that you can spend on this car. And you've got a new emote and you've got a new horn and you've got a new outfit and go buy a new house. And, and, oh, because you're, because you're even checking these, uh, these options, you've got two more spins. So go do that. And you did a Forzathon. Great. You've just earned some Forzathon dollars, which by the way, can't be spent in the regular store. They're spent in the Forzathon store. They're worth something else. 
and that's a different storefront accessed in a different way. And like, it just, it's, it's to me, it's too much. Um, and when you combine that with, and I don't know if you've seen this rich, I'm playing this on an original Xbox one <clears throat> and technically it's not running all that well. Um, I'm getting a lot of sound it, uh, audio issues. Um, getting the odd screen hitch here and there. Uh, there's there's one major audio bug that I keep running into where it, it, it almost sounds like the audio locks up. The game is running just fine, but the audio is sort of locked in this certain tone, and it just runs like that for a while, and then suddenly it catches up with itself. And it seems like it's exacerbated by these online notifications. Uh, it seems like that's, to me, it seems like that's what's happening that's causing these problems. So it's... It's the same game that I like. It's the same gameplay that I love. And I'm really bummed that I, I have such a negative view on it. Because, but I really do feel like what they've done is they've just piled on all this extra stuff that, yes, people have told me, well, you can just ignore that. Yeah, you can. But to ignore that properly, if you want to turn all that stuff off, you literally have to go in and start changing options around and turning things off in the map, which, by the way, the filters don't stay. They don't save. So eventually all the filters you turned off will come right back on again. Um, and it just, it, 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 I, I wish the game would stop tugging at me to try this next thing or do this next thing or spend these dollars in this storefront as opposed to that storefront. And in the meantime, the, the things that I used to love, such as, say, the liveries, and I don't know if this is your experience, Rich, but I don't see all those great liveries, that I, the user-created liveries that I used to see. Like when I go into a race... It seems like every car that I'm racing against is uh, the standard livery. Um, just little things like that. Like I feel like they've taken a series that had a great community built up around it, and they've kind of stamped that out in the name of what feel like microtransactions, although not, we're not being charged for them. But they, it feels like I'm playing a free-to-play game. Like I, I get that same feeling like you do when you fire up say like a, a, ca a hyper casual game on your ios device where you're playing and it might be fun but you've always got that banner ad at the bottom and hey you died but if you watch this ad you get to play again or you died twice so we're going to force you to watch this ad anyway and and you know you can if you need to buy more little men to put on the moon you can go spend a, your influence points in this store and that store and anyway i don't know like i said we talked about this before the show too rich and i'm just old and cranky i think but uh <laughs> but it just you know it seems like such a um such a meaningless thing to complain about but it is it is so overwhelming it is such a huge part of the experience in forza horizon 4 that i can't get past it um I was just playing again tonight, and I just like, I love, I enjoy myself so much when I'm in the events. But the joy that I used to have of driving from event to event is kind of is severely diminished in this game. <clears throat> I've said, and we've talked about it before. My biggest issue with the Forza Horizon series has been just that. So you yeah. can imagine how I'm dealing with that here, even worse than than normal, because I I got. I didn't come close, I don't think, to finishing Forza Horizon 3 mm -hmm. uh, because it just became too difficult to figure out just how to like keep advancing the series, right? Like just to get to the next big set of races. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't need to repeat what you said, but yeah, it's, it's amazing how much stuff there is and I just have to 
figure out to myself, okay, how, wh where do I just go race? Cause that's kind of what I want to do. Do you go buy cars? Are you, do you, are you no. upgrading your cars? Are you out there chasing certain vehicles? How are you with the cars in the game? What have you been doing with that? I almost never do. I pretty much rely on the cars that I win. I've always done that with the Horizon games, and it's always sort of served me well. I mean, if I get into a situation where I clearly don't have the proper car for, say, like dirt racing, then I'll go buy something that I think is going to be solid, like a, a WRX or something like that. Um, and then I'll just stick with it. And that's kind of, again, I see it goes back to the things that I really love about this series is if you find a car you like, you can stick with it. And... You know, if that's the way you want to play, there's that freedom to play the way you want, which is great. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not constantly looking for cars. And now I feel like if I was, I'd be irritated about that because some of the properties that you can buy are massively expensive. Like we're talking like five million credits or more. Um, and I get why they did it. And I get why they've added all the emotes and dances and things in there for your characters, too, because I watch my kids play. Fortnite, and I, I realize just how important that is to sort of that generation of gamer, uh, but it's just not for me. <laughs> what um, what kind of settings do you use? Do you like with the the? Do you have the line on all the time? Uh, I have minor <clears throat> break, for example. Do you adjust the damage models? Like I I set mine to I guess you know realistic or at least somewhat realistic i forget exactly what it is like what, what are the settings that you play this do you like have your set so that you take damage but it doesn't actually affect your car no it's i think it does affect my car really I think it does. You're, you're more hardcore than i am then. but i i'm actually going to check now that i say that what are the settings that you go on um i mean i have i have damage turned on but it's all visual um because again i it, it because of the style of game that this is uh that the forza games are in general where you know not that i race extremely aggressively a lot or anything like that but you know it's um i don't want to be penalized for too too much for sliding into a tree or something like that right. you know if i if it just takes us if i just smack the rear into the car on it and then i can hold down the accelerator and keep going great i'm, I'm fine with that you know i mean I, what i lost was time and right. position and that's right. fine i'm okay um i normally do have the driving line on um, in most games, I just turn it on the, the braking zones, but for some reason with the horizon, I just leave it on. I think it's because <clears throat> most of those races are set in the open world and I just don't really have the, um, the patience for sort of screwing up the, the course, I guess. All right. So, so yeah. here's my settings. I got them here in front of me. My driver difficulty is above average. Uh, my braking is ABS on, uh, my steering is normal. My traction control is on. My stability control is off. My shifting is automatic. My driving line is the braking only. My damage and tire wear is simulation. And my rewind is on. So, you know, so that gets me a 50% difficulty bonus per race. And I'm still able to come in first almost every time. It's crazy. You got to turn that difficulty up, man. But I don't want to. I like winning. <laughs> winning is fun. No, I agree with you. <clears throat> Again, that's, that's one of the things I love about this series. So, and, and like I said, and, and I did this on a, on player one last week as well. And the guys really laughed at me because I went into that whole, uh, explanation about all the things I don't like about this and then said, but it's still amazing. Go buy it. So, you yep. know, the, the actual, when the rubber hits the road, so to speak, um, 
absolutely fun. So much fun. Makes me so happy. But yeah, I, I just kind of grit my teeth and uh, and 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 get to the next race and just like God, leave me alone. Leave me alone with all this crap. I don't care. Like, you know. Although I will say, there's some creative stuff in there. I do like. Uh, they're calling it a job system, which I think is kind of ridiculous but they're just sort of story missions that you can do and there's one that just opened up for me and i think it might have been part of a recent update but i'm not 100 percent on that um where you get told that there's a, a famous um uh, vlogger <clears throat> at the horizon festival um called la racer and she's got uh 10 missions for you to do and you get there and find out that they're apparently homages to her favorite video games. Uh, and, of course, the first one, which spoke to me so much, you you, you drive a Ferrari Testarossa, uh, and it's an homage to OutRun. Which is really just an excuse for you to drive a, a Testarossa from the start point to up into the mountains. Because the whole idea is that you're going through all these different um, terrains like you did in the old OutRun game. Right. So it's like, that made me smile. Because, sure, why not? You know? Yeah. That's a cute thing to do. That absolutely um, is. But, you know, there's tons of variety. There are tons of things to do. Um, there's loads of online modes, which, you know, some of them I, I like, some of them I don't. I like the team racing. I think that's done really well. Um, but but overall, yeah, it's still, again, great game. You'll never run out of things to do. Tons and tons and tons. I think there's something like 100 events or something like that to get into. <clears throat> and with the seasons changing, they actually bring in uh, seasonal events as well so that's that's something else too it, it's it's straddling that it's straddling that line between offline single player game and game as a service um and i think that's where my conflict comes is that i really like some of the things they've done but i feel like they've gone too far with others hmm. do you think the fact that it is on the xbox games pass and i believe also on the Windows or you know whatever the the it's called on the PC, they might both be branded on Xbox. But I mean, do you do, do you think that because a lot of Microsoft uh, purchasers and subscribers <coughs> to their console and PC services are getting it for you know not for free, obviously because they're paying for the service, but because they're getting it as part of the subscription? Do you do you think that that has something a lot or nothing to do with with some <clears throat> of that? I I don't think so. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure that they were mandated to do something like that, but I don't know. Was Game Pass a huge service during the thick of development on this? I feel like this would have gone this way no matter what. Hmm. I mean, the Forza series is always, right since its inception, has always been about integrating online aspects, online play, online leaderboards, that sort of thing. I think if you go back to the very first one, that was a big part of it. Um, I think this is just sort of the next logical step in the evolution of this series. I think it'll keep going this way. They might throttle back on some things that are overly annoying. They might go back and fix other things, but <clears throat> I think you'll see them going more like this in the future too. I love seeing my friends driving around. I love that. That makes me happy. I yeah. love racing against all you guys. I love beating all you people. I love that. It's such well, you a, gotta, and it's you not new. down so low on difficulty. No wonder you're beating us. <laughs> I'm getting 50% bonus, sir. Come uh -huh. on. 50%. What bonus are you? 
100? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's it's not new. It's it, they've been doing it for years and years and years. And yeah. what's funny too is like for example, there is a drive guitar in my game. Less vegetables. I don't know who that is, uh, but he has been in at least the last four Horizon games on on. Uh, <laughs> on it. I never play online. Do you play online at all? Have you tried racing online? A tiny bit. Okay. Um, just to just to try it out. Yeah. And um, like I said, there's some things I like. There's some things I don't. Um, the Forza-thons I can leave. Uh, the the team racing I enjoy. I li- and I, I do like that um, almost every event you can choose to play co-op or you can choose to play versus. I, I have... I've had mixed success with that. I find that those quick uh, instant games uh, where you say, yeah, I want to play co-op or I want to play with a team, uh, you don't tend to attract a lot of people to that. I think every server, like it's server-based, and I think every server can hold 72 cars, but I've never seen... (coughs) Excuse me, I'm dealing with a cold here. I've never seen a server that populated. So I I don't know if that's just a matter of... um, popularity or if i'm playing at the wrong times i don't know have but there, uh yeah i find it hard to get together a big group to play with have there been indicators of success i honestly have not been tracking it that closely from a you know sales perspective or players perspective i really don't know um i'm curious because you're talking with the drivatars too and i'll have to, i do have to say that a lot of the names that appear as drivatars in my game they're all at level one, so a lot of these people are not playing. Um, but that doesn't really mean too much either. You know, well, I mean, it draws a lot from your just your friends list. So, so here's some good news, Greg, uh, from our friends at VentureBeat, uh, including uh, Dave uh, Wilson and <clears throat> uh, uh, oh my God, and Jeff Grubb. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Our buddies there. Uh, Forza Horizon 4 has the best launch sales in franchise's 13-year history. This oh, there you go. Three days ago. So Forza Horizon 4 had the best launch in the franchise's 13-year history, said NPD. Our good friend Matt Pescatella, he knows all about this stuff. Launched October 2nd. Uh, and uh, during that period from September 2nd to October 6th, it was the number seven best-selling game and set broke the series record in terms of dollar sales. So there so, you go. All right. I like that. So as much as I complain, clearly they're doing something right. And, <laughs> and I think that just goes further to say that this is the way we're going. And I get that. And I accept that. But I'm not necessarily happy about it. Well, the racing still though, is still game, great, though. right? Like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, you, like, I'm never not having fun when I'm racing. I'm always having fun <clears> when I'm racing. I am not always having fun when I'm driving across the world to get to something else that I want to do. See, that's where you and I differ, because I know you've always felt that way. Yes. Uh, Where I have not. I have always enjoyed being able to sort of drive around and do stuff. And I feel like after this game, I probably won't. So, yeah, it is what it is. Hmm. What are you driving right now if you fire your game up? Um... Well, I've kind of been on a an off-road kick, so I'm actually driving a green Jeep all over the place. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'm driving so. a red Ferrari. Nice. And that makes me happy. There's nothing wrong with driving a red Ferrari, my friend. Yeah. I, uh, That's it's... how God intended you to drive a Ferrari. <laughs> 
It's funny. I was on the road this week, as uh, I am wont to be these days. And the place near where we were having some meetings was a Ferrari dealership. And I so wanted just to, I don't even mm. know if they would let me in the door, but I so yeah, wanted I to say. just, you know, look in and maybe peruse for 15 <clears throat> minutes and just look at them. Just yeah. look at them up close because you know, it's not that often you get to stand next to a Ferrari, but we weren't just, able to. Just dream a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. And I'm not even really a car guy. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love a nice car. Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, at that point, you're, you, you're really admiring art. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But yes, you ask some people, what would your dream car be? Like, I'll ask you, Greg Seward, if oh. you could have a car, and let's call it, you know, not a, you know, one in a, you know, one in a thousand kind, but like, you know, of the cars that are, that are available to drive in 2018, um, what would you get? Like, do you, do you know? Yeah, it's probably going to be less than exciting, but, um, I would get, I don't know what year it would be from the nineties, uh, an Acura NSX. Oh, I always, I always, I know that's not super exciting, but I, I just have a love affair with that car. I don't okay. know why. Uh, and I think it's also because I ended up, um, owning, a an RSX, and I adored that that little car. So if it was something, if I could get something that was a little bit bigger, a little sportier, a little bit more fun to drive, it was similar to that, I'd be all over it. So I've, I've been in love with that car since Need for Speed on the 3DO. That's when I first saw that car. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, I think what I would get would be whatever the newest Lexus IS, top of the line IS would mm. be. Yeah. Because yep. those are that's if I had to pick a car that I could get, that's what I would get because they're just amazing. Not yeah. that I wouldn't not that I wouldn't want a Porsche because I would. Oh, I, I mean, I wouldn't turn down a Ferrari or a Porsche <laughs> or a Lamborghini or anything either. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, but I would. You know, it's funny. We're talking, I wouldn't I turn would, my nose up. I would be nervous, much more nervous to drive a Ferrari around than, you know, a, a Lexus IS. Right. Much more nervous. <laughs> so not sure how we got there. Greg Seward, any sort of parting thoughts about Forza Horizon 4 before I let you get out of here? It's so good. Don't listen to cranky old men like me. <laughs> we'll play it anyway. It is so good. Just uh, tell me to shut up and go enjoy your game. <laughs> I vouch for that. It's fantastic. I am going to continue to play it. I'm going to continue to race. And I'm probably not going to finish it, but I will more than get my money's worth. And so that's kind of been my story with Forza Horizon and Forza uh, proper last year's. I play it, played a lot, always get it. Day one, every every game, played a lot, and come back to it. Like I'll still go dabble in Forza Seven every once in a while, race a few times. It's so good. Forza it is. Seven is great. Yep, legit great. Um, it's funny because I'm sort of leaning a little more towards that over the Horizon series right now at this moment in time. But I don't think there's going to be a Forza 8 next year, right? Aren't they going to wait for a year? Are they going to kind of ride Forza I... Horizon? For... And they just had a major update to Forza 7, like almost a complete new game, right? They, really? Yeah, to Forza 7. So oh, that, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is within the last 30 days. Hmm. And, uh, and, and that tells me that there won't be a Forza 8 next fall. I, yeah, that's what I it tells know. me. 
Because I think be, they're going to wait. That'd be interesting to see because they. I don't think they've missed a year yet. No, they haven't. But I think <clears> that that they might be able to wait for Forza Eight proper until the the new hardware the following year. You know, was that uh, you giving something away there, Rich? Absolutely. You telling not. us that they're going to be releasing some new hardware next year? Or? Well, I'm I'm certainly willing to put to put it out there that Microsoft will be releasing some new hardware in 2020. I am very confident that that is going to happen. All right. You heard it here first. You heard it here. Well, I think I heard it first on the Player One podcast, actually. So probably give you guys credit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last thing before you go, Greg Seward, Extra Life is coming. Tell everybody how they can help. Yes. uh, So, um, yeah, Extra Life is coming on November 3rd. I hope that's after this actually gets published. Um, Raising... uh, trying to raise $10,000 for the IWK Children's Health Center here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm at about 5000 a little over $5,000 so far this year. And if you would like to help, you can do so. You can just uh, head to my, uh, I think the URL is actually my last name, .ca. So Seward, S-E-W-A-R-T, .ca. That will take you to my Extra Life page where you can make a tax-deductible donation uh, to Extra Life. Um, I'll be playing games for 25 hours straight starting on November 3rd. Uh, all Genesis games except for an hour with my son because he wants to play Fortnite. And I'm so excited that my son has decided he wants to play Fortnite and uh, and raise some money for some sick kids this year. Very proud moment as a father when he told me he wanted to do that. So um, please, uh, if you haven't, or even if you have already, go, uh, go make a donation. Awesome. Greg Seward, Player One Podcast, my favorite show in the world. Generation 16. Thank you very much for being on here. We will do a full official racing roundup episode along with our good friends, Dr. Ken and uh, Senior NASCAR and probably Pete Dodd as well uh, at some point between now and uh, some other time, which I'm looking forward to very much where we'll all pick our racing game of the year, which we'll have some interesting conversations as I always do. Until then, sir, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. Uh, And everybody go check out the Player One podcast and Generation 16 and Greg Seward's Extra Life campaign. Thank you, sir. Much appreciated. Thank you. Get off of my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Shameless promotion. Yes, uh, I'm very happy to talk to everybody about Franchise Hockey Manager 5. Uh, You know, we, we talk about it on the start of the show every week. Uh, But I wanted to give everybody an opportunity to hear from the guys who uh, really live and breathe Franchise Hockey Manager 5. And so we have brought our good friends, Jeff Riddles, the producer of Franchise Hockey Manager 5. Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Rich. Excellent. And uh, the community manager, Adam. Adam, how are you, sir? Good to have you on. Thanks. Happy to be back, Rich. So we're going to talk Franchise Hockey Manager 5. And, Jeff, I'll just ask you a simple question at the start. What is Franchise Hockey Manager 5? Well, uh, as the name indicates, it's the fifth version of Franchise Hockey Manager. We've been going for a few years now. Uh, It's a a hockey uh, management game, uh, more so where, you know, uh, the uh, EA NHL type games would be more of an action game. We're more about the strategy, about building a roster, over multiple years, sort of like the GM mode, only with a lot more detail in it. And so, of course, it's it's part of the out of the park developments family. So, you know, people who are familiar yep. with and fans of out of the park 
uh, will will certainly have some familiarities with Franchise Hockey Manager 5. So it is it is licensed by the NHL. There's all the real NHL teams and, and all the real players and, and a whole bunch of international leagues and stuff too. And, of course, this year there's new online leagues and all sorts of new stuff happening. So, Jeff, sticking with you for a second, you know, you've been – as you do with Adam every week, which we'll talk about more, you stream live every single Wednesday night on uh, yep. the, the Out of the Park Development uh, Twitch stream. What's uh, you know? What have you settled into? What 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 are you enjoying uh, now that you're out there and you're playing it live and people are interacting? And what are some of the things that you've been having fun doing uh, with Franchise Hockey Manager so far? Well, this year? One of the things we've got going uh, on the stream with Adam is uh, we've we're playing a random debut game, which is. Uh, basically a standard historical game where you can start in any year in NHL history, only with random debut turned on, uh, it mixes up the starting dates of all the players. So you can wind up getting guys from, you know, the modern players, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and have them back in the uh, 1930s, which, you know, where we started in 1932 with the New York Americans, or you can, you know, if you want to play later, you can, you can get some of the old time guys playing modern and eh, playing in the modern NHL. So it, uh, you know, breaks out. You don't have to play historical mode now uh, quite as rigidly, where you would uh, only be getting the real players every every new year. Uh, you can, you know, you have to adapt with what's what gets thrown at you. I think uh, the the draft we uh, did uh, the other week wound up uh, being kind of on the weak side to start with. So it's it would well, <laughs> I was going to say it, it it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It would have been interesting if I hadn't accidentally deleted the saves. So now I have to go back and reconstruct that <laughs> as best I can. Yeah, uh, well, I mean it's it's just, we're still in the you know testing and updating mode now. So I've got usually got a ton of save games and I've got to clean them out regularly or I, or I run out of hard drive space. And uh, I got a little O2 overzealous with the cleaning uh, last time, and uh, oops, it's gone. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out how to get it back here, if not get something close to it. But yeah, that's something that's the, the random debut and historical is something that a lot of people have been enjoying so far. Uh, kind of looking forward to seeing what people do with that. Adam, you're the community manager. You are in 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 all of the different places people are talking about Franchise Hockey Manager 5. What are some of the things that you're hearing people are having a good time with this season? I think the number one thing is people are really excited and happy to have uh, online leagues back. And so there's a growing community, both, uh, well, especially on our official forums of people looking to join leagues, having leagues set up. And I think that's kind of the number one thing. Right behind that is just exactly what Jeff's talking about is random debuts. There's nothing better than, you know, starting a game in 1997 and having to look up somebody to figure out who this hockey player actually was because you're not really familiar with somebody from, you know, the 1920s or 1930s. So, Jeff, tell tell me a little bit about how people have asked me multiple times and and tell me how this all this information comes together meaning the the players like there there's not only not only could you start a season now but you can go back pretty much any time throughout NHL history and yep, all the way back to 1917 and to the present year that's a tremendous amount of information how does all of that come together what does that look like uh, basically it comes together because I spend a few, uh, hundred, if not a thousand plus hours way back at the beginning of the game, uh, entering ratings for all of these guys and figuring out the approximate career path of anybody who's ever played in the NHL, plus a few more other interesting guys. Uh, that, that took a really long time to put together, but 
I managed to get it together just in time for the uh, you know original version of FHM 2014, and then in the years since then, I've been able to add a few little improvements here and there, and upgrade the data and do some interesting things so the career paths are a little more accurate, and the ratings work a little bit better. So that's something I'm constantly working on with the uh, historical database, and then you know I'm also working on the on the modern one as well. But you know historical is something that I, I kind of enjoy getting in there and doing and you know, going back and looking at the real players and trying to see how accurate I can get them. And it's, it's you know, when I was, it's coming out pretty well. I mean, when I, I can't remember when exactly I did it late in the uh, testing, late in beta testing, I ran a full 100 year, uh, 100 plus years now, I guess, simulation of the NHL. And I think Gretzky wound up as the scoring leader and he was within about 50 points of his actual career total. So it's nice seeing after all that work, uh, being able to come out with the result that accurate. That is very impressive, I got to say, and especially because that is a number that is a outlier from anybody else, too. That's, I think, what makes that all the more impressive. Yeah, I mean, Gretzky's a hard one to program because you've got to you know, not really cheat a little bit, but go outside the normal range for ratings to get him exactly right. Adam, talk to me about tactics. That's, uh, you know, another one of the highlight items this year is sort of having even a lot more options uh, so how does that work, and what does that look like, and what are some of the things that you've uh, you've done with that? Well, we've been, and again, this is uh, something Jeff worked hard on this uh, for the build of FHM five is re reach uh, changing how tactics are, and basically it just allows for a little bit more customization going through and so now you can break down by lines to kind of change how each line's uh, attacking and Jeff please jump in if I'm saying something uh, that you want to address as yeah, well. Well basically and, you, can, you can set line you can set a global strategy for your team and just leave it at that or then you can go in a little more detailed and set you know specific have specific setups for each line or even individual players so you can go as yeah. detailed as you want and let the AI do the rest for you or you can uh, do that all yourself if you really want to including special teams stuff too, which is something that had been requested. Yep. yep. And it's basically just streamlined and a little simpler than we've had in past years, a little bit easier to understand, I think. And it, it all kind of flows together a little better between the, the tactics and the player roles. It's a little easier for somebody who's you know, potentially just getting into hockey uh, to understand. There's a lot of international stuff in here too, which can be a lot of fun to mess around in. So, uh, Adam, have you, I mean, I know you have, but like sort of as you have looked at Franchise Hockey Manager 5, I know you've been doing the live streams, which we're going to talk a little bit more about, but have you poked around a lot more in the international stuff and or are you hearing people uh, in the in the community uh, doing international-based stuff? Because there's a lot going on in there. Yes. Uh, to me, it's always great when uh, one of your first job offers is from uh, taking over the North Korean team because I'm sure that means you're going to have some immediate success uh, playing in uh, tight Division Three matchups. But, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, the major thing is just trying to build up your reputation enough to take over one of the true hockey powerhouses like Canada, the United States, or Sweden. And that's <laughs> always what that big build is for. And it's tough to get there because there are so many qualified people who also want those jobs. And so, uh, yeah, I continue to try and improve and try and in my own personal games to try and take over a top team, but haven't quite done that. But I have found some success in winning 
uh, a couple of gold medals at international tournaments, which always feels good, especially when you take an underdog team. The NHL license is, this is now the third game with the NHL license, Jeff. What does that mean to, what does that mean to the game? What does it mean to you and uh, in, in how this all comes together? I want simple, simple terms for the game. We're allowed to use uh, things like the uh, official logos and graphics and uniforms, and we can include that with the game so people don't have to go looking for uh, mods to download that to add in themselves. Which uh, you know, the, you can you can have that option, but if that's not the default, uh, most people aren't ever going to see it. It's, there's only a it's only a minority of players who will go looking for that type of mod to add to their game. So it, it brings people into the game, uh, well, might buy the game who wouldn't otherwise uh, touch it if they don't see the official stuff there. So Adam, you and Jeff do the live stream every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash OOTP developments, and it's archived to our YouTube page. How did you come up with what you were going to start in Franchise Hockey Manager 5? Because you start new, obviously, when, when, when you begin streaming that. And also, what are, the, what are some of the things that you guys are thinking of over the course of you know, the year? It's a, it's a long season. There's a lot you can do. Uh, so give me a, a little insight into, into why you're doing what you're doing now and other things you might be considering. Rich, to start off, our number one goal, as it has been since we've started doing the streams, is to finally win the Stanley Cup <laughs> on stream. And we still are not there, and we're probably not going to be there yet. And Jeff started his game be. being in 1932, so he has to play against like eight teams. But uh, for what I did in the game I'm hosting is... Uh, with Franchise Hockey Manager 5, we added the ability to start not only on July 1st, but also edit the league structure. So I decided to do an expansion draft, and we brought back the Quebec Nordiques from the dead, added them to the Atlantic Division. Yes, Atlantic, not the Metropolitan. I had to stop and think about that for a minute. And then we kicked Toronto over to the Central Division in the West. Which we should add uh, is another thing you can do new this year. You can uh, restructure your... Uh the uh, divisions and conferences in some of the leagues, the NHL being a particularly interesting leagues. one. Yeah, you can also contract the league if you want. And I was kind of really thinking about collapsing the New Jersey Devils. Now, was, stop it. That is not right. Don't even. <laughs> That's not funny at all. Three Stanley so, Cups. Three Stanley Cups. So we've had some fun with uh, moving the teams around and drafting our team. And, you know, overall, we were pretty happy with how the team turned out but we're you know it's uh we are just heading to the trade deadline as our last recording and we're kind of hovering around that 500 position we're actually pretty happy with how the season's gone but our owner is not happy because of the vegas hangover and he's thinking we should be doing way better is causing us some issues and trying to debate whether we're kind of going to sell out or try and make a little bit of a push or go for the number one pick or hope we survive the season. So uh, it, we're kind of up in the air right now because there's a chance, you know, we might have to start with something brand new if we get fired here quick. Jeff, the Vegas Golden Knights completely screwed everything up last year by making it to the Stanley Cup final. We did not see that coming uh, in Franchise Hockey Manager 5. How did that happen? And how did you account for that when you were – doing what you're doing for Franchise Hockey Manager 5. I'm, yeah, nobody really saw that coming. Uh, 
it's it's hard to explain in any kind of logical terms. I mean, it's you can write it off as part of it being great coaching and uh, great leadership, uh, but uh, you got guys coming like Carlson, Marcia, so who had been you know somewhat productive before, but putting up uh, huge seasons way beyond what anybody would have predicted for them. So uh, then, you know, last year as we were going along and, you know, re-rating players through the season, updating the database, and uh, those guys gradually got got improved. And I think by the end of the season, by the final uh, trading deadline database, it was Vegas was actually doing pretty well in our simulations. But uh, as for explaining it, uh, I think the, the biggest explanation is in the, you know, post-CAP uh, NHL, uh, the talent level is so compressed, kind of spread pretty pretty thin with all the expansion, that it's a lot easier to do, uh, you know, show up and be successful in the first season uh, than it was, say, you know, well, back 30, 40 years ago when there was only 21 teams or, you know, when the WHA teams come, came in and, you know, the expansion draft this time around was a lot more generous than the old ones tended to be. So they were able to pick up some decent players and make some trades for the others. But I think, you know, George McPhee has done a great job as their general manager, uh, both in terms of what he put together last year and uh, how he's stockpiled stuff for the future. So I think that team is, you know, they're not doing that fantastic uh, out of the gate this year, but uh, I think that franchise is going to be solid for a little while. Adam, give us, uh, this is the spotlight. Give us your Winnipeg Jets season preview, your analysis of the very early season and what you think they're going to do this year. Oh, you put me on the spot here. That's I don't, right. I just, just watched them beat Detroit earlier tonight, if that tells you when we're recording this. But uh, I'm not really sure. that I haven't seen them play up to their capability yet. The Jets, of course, are heading across over to Finland here very shortly for a couple games versus uh, Florida. And I think that might be kind of telling because if they drop both those, I think uh, expectations are going to change quite a bit. If they come out... On top, I think that's going to maybe help set the tone for what the rest of the season will be like. So I know that's kind of jumping around your answer there, Rich, what you wanted to hear, but I'm cautiously optimistic again. I think that's the best word to say, cautiously optimistic. Are they a playoff team this year, Adam? You know what? I honestly can't say because there is no tougher division in hockey than the Central. I think everyone here can kind of agree on that. And it's very possible a 100-point team might not make the playoffs. Jeff, what about your Vancouver Canucks? What's happening in the Northwest? Well, you see, we've, we've got kind of the opposite situation to Adam. Uh, we're, Pacific is probably the worst division in the league right now. And uh, Vancouver uh, has somehow started out above 500, uh, despite a ridiculous number of injuries and the team, you know, not, really having that great of an outlook, but uh, they finally put together some decent young players and got some replacements, hopefully for the Sedins. And I don't know how long they can keep uh, winning games, but uh, you know, we, we just might make the playoffs this year. I really wouldn't mind if we uh, didn't and got one more good lottery pick. So, uh, so we'd be in really good shape, uh, you know, two, three years down the road, but I, I can't complain about the way they've done this year. And uh, my New Jersey Devils started off on fire, winning four games in a row outright, uh, but then dropped two in a row and then lost in overtime uh, the other day uh, to Colorado. Uh, no, Nashville. Nashville. So uh, a, a relatively good start, but a much, much better start 
than than recently. I think the Devils are a playoff team, and you know it's they they had to win ten of their last eleven just to get into in as the eight seed last year, and that's after they had already had a, a really great start. It's so much more difficult to make the NHL playoffs. I, people don't believe me when I say that, but you have to be a really good team to make it into the NHL playoffs. And uh, I don't mean as an eight seed, but I mean as the second wild card. Uh, but I think they can do it again. Taylor Hall is just that good. He is he is that good. He earned that MVP last year, and I think that they can do it. But they there's there's you know, boy, it's got a tail. There's a lot of good young players on the Devils, but uh, you know he sure is great. Love that guy. Yep, he's coming along nicely this year. Excuse me. Yeah, and I like Butcher, and I like you know their their defense a bit, but. You know, they could really use uh, a, another really – I mean, another really good score would take that team to another another level because Taylor, Taylor has to do a lot. They're, I mean, Palmieri has been fantastic. Um, you know, they, they got guys contributing. They, there's a lot there to like about the Devils. I'm, I think they're a playoff team, but it's not – you know, I'm, it's going to be tough for them. They're going to have yeah. to be fighting. And you're doing all this but, with your starting goalie uh, still out with hip surgery. So <laughs> Right. And I don't yep. know when Schneider is, is due back. Kincaid has been fine. He has not been the problem, right? I don't think, anyway. I don't see as many games as I used to because I haven't read my NHL package yet. I'm going to after the holidays. Um, so I, I have only seen a couple of I think they I think they actually sent uh, Schneider down to the AHL just to get a little conditioning in, but I think he's pretty close to coming back. So Good. should have him soon. So, Franchise Hockey Manager 5, available now worldwide on Steam or directly from OOTPdevelopments.com, uh, $39.99. It is, uh, it is the best Franchise Hockey Manager that, uh, that we've made, and we're very proud of it, and we're excited. And thank you, Jeff, uh, for all your hard work on the game and for being on the show tonight. And thank you, Adam, for all your hard work in the game. Um, not only are you the community manager, but you have had your hands in the, in the in the mix a little bit, and that's that's really awesome. So thank you, sir, for doing that. We appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Press Row Podcast. Uh, as always, uh, we really appreciate you listening and following, and we will talk to you again next week.